Hi, this is Pastor Ryan Spooner. I'm so glad that you're listening to our sermon podcast. I hope it's a blessing. If you live in the area, or even if you don't, we would love to have you join us on a Sunday morning. We meet at 10.30 a.m. at the Millworks in Willington, Connecticut, 156 River Road. Also, if you'd ever like to help support our church financially, we would be extremely grateful. You can donate through our website, stpaulschurchct.org. Thanks. Well, this is our fourth week now in our Christ the Healer series, where we're looking at the stories of Jesus' healing miracles and asking what they reveal to us um, about what is true, about who God is, and who we are. And this week, our miracle story comes from the Gospel of Luke. If you want to follow along in your own Bible, I encourage you to turn there to Luke chapter 5. That's actually wrong. It's verse 17. Luke 5, 17. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come together in worship, to seek you together. And Lord, we just invite your Holy Spirit to work in us through the scriptures. Speak directly to our hearts and minds, Lord. If our minds wander, uh, Lord, we pray that even in their wandering, <laughs> that you would speak to us and that you would help us um, to grow and to learn this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. One day, Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins except God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. So, in order to really appreciate the significance of this story, we have to begin by recognizing the shame that was associated with chronic physical illness in those days. We talked about this a little bit when we uh, looked at the first miracle in our series, the cleansing of the leper, about how in those days, if you had a physical affliction that was chronic, people assumed it was probably because you or your family had sinned in some especially bad way. And actually, we see this attitude reflected in the Gospels themselves by the disciples. There's a moment in the Gospel of John where they pass a, a man who was born blind, and the disciples ask, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? 
And Jesus' response is, well, neither, and then he heals the man. But that just goes to show how ingrained this idea was, that if you had a chronic illness, it's probably because you did something wrong and God is mad at you. <clears throat> so a physical handicap did not just bring the pain of the physical limitations, but it brought this shame, this social stigma. It led many to look at you and judge, now there's a sinner. And I suspect that for most, well, for at least for many people who were chronically ill or handicapped in some way, they also probably internalized this idea about themselves, that they were being punished by God. Certainly, even today, people will sometimes make the same assumption, right? If you go to the doctor, you get a terrible diagnosis, what's the first question so many people ask is, why me? What did I do? And then your mind tries to provide an answer. So I imagine that this paralytic may have stayed up many late nights thinking, you know, replaying in his mind the worst things that he had done, the times where he gave in to uh, cruelty or uh, violence, the times where he succumbed to temptations of lust and greed, and he probably thought, yeah, I brought this on myself. I am abandoned by God. God is done with me. And so that's why we should hear Jesus' first words to the paralytic like a burst of light into a gloomy dungeon. Friend, your sins are forgiven. Jesus knows that the most important issue he needs to address with the paralytic is not his physical handicap, but the shame and sense of condemnation that he feels. Jesus knows that this man needs to hear, God is not holding your sins against you. God has not condemned you. God wants to bring you a word of forgiveness and peace. Now, we're told that Jesus gives this word of forgiveness when he sees their faith. Um, now, I suspect the faith he's talking about is the faith that's demonstrated by the friends of this man lowering him through the roof, right? They have so much confidence in Jesus' ability to do something about their, their friend's affliction that they tear the roof apart so they can get him into the center of the crowd, right? Now, I suspect that the connection between the friend's faith and Jesus' proclamation of forgiveness is that when Jesus sees how much hope they have in him, he knows, I can make a proclamation of forgiveness and these guys might actually take me seriously. Right? If, if someone that you don't think very highly of says, your sins are forgiven, God forgives your sins, you're going to be like, well, I don't trust you. Why would I take that seriously? It's not going to bring you any relief or joy, right? But if the person who says that is someone who you recognize as a miracle worker, someone who you think is worth tearing a roof apart to get to, then that's going to mean something to you, right? When that person claims to speak on behalf of God, you might take them seriously. And so when Jesus sees the faith of these men, he sees an opportunity to proclaim God's forgiveness to a paralytic and be heard. 
But of course, not everyone within earshot is willing to hear this proclamation, right? Some people find it very offensive. So verse 21, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, they recognize that Jesus is doing something that no ordinary human being should have the right to do. If your friend wrongs you, then you have the authority to say, I forgive you, right? But if your friend wrongs your other friend, you don't have the, the authority to say, he forgives you, right? Unless they gave you permission. But ultimately, they're the only ones that can grant the forgiveness, right? And yet Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. How can he do that? Well, if he's God in the flesh, he absolutely can do that, right? If he's not, he's speaking above his pay grade. And Jesus knows that they're thinking this. Notice, it, it doesn't say that they say anything about what they're thinking, right? Jesus can just tell. He knows their hearts. And so he says, okay, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk? And of course, that's a rhetorical question with an obvious implied answer. What is easier, to make claims about God or to do a miracle? Definitely doing a miracle is a lot harder. Anybody can make claims about God. People do it all the time. And yes, it is true that if you make certain claims about God in certain societies, certain cultures, then that can get you in big trouble. And so it's hard to speak those things in those cultures, right? But generally speaking, anybody can say words about God, right? But not everybody can say, get up and walk. And so Jesus says, because I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Get up and walk. He backs up his words with a sign, a demonstration of power. So, before I go any further in this series, I just want to acknowledge something, which is that the series is about stories of physical healing, and I really haven't talked at all about physical healing yet. Right? We're four weeks in, and I haven't said a word about that, and I know that the healing stories raise some tough questions that eventually I'm going to have to talk about a little, like, well, should we always expect physical healing? And what if we're asking for physical healing and we don't get it? What is the relationship between faith and physical healing? Those are tough questions. Uh, instead, I focused on what I believe these stories reveal besides simply that Jesus can, can do physical healings, right? So some of the things that we've emphasized are God prioritizes mercy over law, right? Or God welcomes in the outsiders. Or the healing of our perception of Jesus is a process. But these are, of course, still also stories of physical healing. So we're going to talk more about that in the future. But... Right now, I want us to see that, once again, this is another miracle where the point is not just that somebody was physically healed. And we can see that because Jesus tells us really clearly what the point of the miracle is, right? 
I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so, get up and walk. It's to demonstrate that. And what I love about that is that means that we can read this story and whatever your physical health is, the story is relevant. Right? You know, if you're really healthy, you might read the story and be like, hey, that's great for that guy, and move on. Right? And on the other hand, let's say you really want physical healing, you're praying for it, and it's not happening, you might read the story and get angry. What about me? Why am I not getting healed? But when we understand that this miracle is proof that Jesus has the authority to forgive sins, it's immediately relevant for all of us, regardless of what's going on in the health department, right? The paralytic rising is a proclamation that Jesus' forgiveness is the forgiveness of God. Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. And what do we see Jesus doing with that authority in the Gospels? Well, we see him offering forgiveness to people who were considered outside of the kingdom of God. We see him even praying for those when they, who were crucifying him, right? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We see him telling parables about God going out to seek those who are lost and find them, of, of a father running to embrace the son who has dishonored him. We hear the gospel of John declaring, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Is God more interested in saving or condemning lost humanity? When the paralytic stands, we should hear a clear answer to that question. God wants to save. God wants to forgive. God wants to reconcile. Will you be reconciled? So, how should we respond to this story? I think we should do three things. Receive forgiveness. Share forgiveness. And offer forgiveness. Receive forgiveness, share forgiveness, offer forgiveness. So first, receive forgiveness. Maybe you can identify with how I envisioned the paralytic a little while ago. Lying awake at night, replaying the sins of his past, and feeling this sense of condemnation. If that is you, don't let that guilt condemn you. Take that guilt and let it drive you to the open arms of Christ. Think of the paralytic rising and let that remind you his arms are open. He has the authority to forgive sins and he is saying, friend, your sins are forgiven. And if the paralytic rising doesn't convince you, think of Jesus uh, telling the parable of the prodigal son and the father's arms that were open to his wayward child. And if that doesn't convince you, think of Jesus on the cross and think of the price that he paid to have his arms open, them nailed to that cross. Receive communion today and hear the words, the body and blood of Jesus Christ given for you and really receive everything that that means. 
You don't have to spend the rest of your life feeling alienated from God. You don't. So that's number one. Receive forgiveness. Number two, share forgiveness. And what I mean by this is share about the forgiveness that God offers through Christ. After Jesus rises from the dead, there's this interesting moment in the Gospel of John where he commissions the disciples to go out and forgive people's sins. And I've always been a little confused by this moment. I've never preached on it before because I feel like I need to study it more. It's kind of confusing because in some translations, when you read it, it sounds like Jesus is saying, you guys now get to decide who's forgiven and who's not. And I don't think that's what Jesus means there. What I think is going on is that Jesus is saying, just as I had the authority to proclaim God's forgiveness to sinners, now I am passing along to you. You can say the things that I said, right? You can announce to people, God wants to forgive you and wants to be reconciled to you. God is not counting your sins against you. Will you be reconciled? That's an incredible privilege to be able to be given that commission to share forgiveness, God's forgiveness with the world. This is how the Apostle Paul described this role. He says in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And so Paul uses this interesting language of being an ambassador of God, right? You guys know what an ambassador is, I'm sure. Ambassador is somebody that represents one country to another. And Paul sees himself like an ambassador of Christ, an ambassador of the kingdom of God, who has a ministry of reconciliation, right? That's that's the, the primary focus of his ambassadorship, is to let people know God is not holding your sins against you. Through Christ, there is forgiveness. God wants to be reconciled to you. Will you be reconciled to him? As Jesus' followers, we have been given this great privilege of being ambassadors of reconciliation on Christ's behalf. We have the privilege of carrying that message to people. Some people really need someone in their life who can say, as an ambassador for Christ, friend, Your sins are forgiven. That's what the paralytic really needed. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus says those first words, friend, your sins are forgiven, the paralytic doesn't say, oh, I don't care about that. I just want to walk. Jesus knows that this is what this man really needs to hear, right? There are worse things than not being able to walk like feeling alienated and condemned by God. You know, as followers of Jesus today, 
We may not always be able to tell people who are physically afflicted, get up and walk. And there are times where I'm troubled by that. I wish I could do that, you know? I believe there are occasions where God works powerfully and does miracles today, absolutely. But in my experience, when I pray for healing, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. So I can't always say, get up and walk. But I can always say, God wants to be reconciled to you. God is willing to let it all go. Will you be reconciled to him? And then lastly, this story should inspire us to offer forgiveness. And by that I mean not just the forgiveness that God has for people, but to offer forgiveness for sins that have been committed against us. We, as Christ's ambassadors, are called to imitate Christ's forgiveness. When a person knows that they have wronged God and they're carrying that sense of guilt and shame, when they're given that word of pardon, it is incredibly healing, spiritually healing. And it can even be physically healing because the toll that it takes on a body, a physical body, to carry that, that pain, that sense of guilt and shame, can have physical effects too, especially if somebody is trying to mask it through uh, drugs or alcohol, right? And so when they really become convinced that God has forgiven them, uh, it, it can have not just spiritual and emotional effects, but also physical ones too. It's like medicine for somebody's whole body. And likewise, just as a word of forgiveness from God can do that for a person, a word of forgiveness from us to someone who has wronged us also sometimes has that power. Uh, I've been reading a book this month called Out of the Embers by a theologian named Brad Jursak. And he tells a story about a man named Stephen who was in a drunk driving accident. And uh, the accident left him severely disabled in a wheelchair. He was not at fault. He was not the one driving drunk. That's so often the way it goes, right? And so, justifiably so, he had a lot of anger. And um, he spent years in physical and emotional pain, bitterness, smoldering in bitterness. And unbeknownst to him, the drunk driver was also tormented tormented by years, for, for years by terrible guilt. And then one day, Stephen came to a realization. And this is what Jersak writes. He says, somehow, inexplicably, Stephen came to realize that he had to forgive the man who had done this to him for his own sake and for the sake of the other. He began to see that somehow he held the man's salvation, his transformation, his freedom, his life, in his own crippled hands. Not as the cause of his salvation, but as the means of God's grace through his own self-liberating agency. Stephen was able to arrange a flight with his mother to cross the country and meet the drunk driver who was debilitated by unresolved shame, to communicate an excruciating victim impact statement and a word of absolution that was only Stephen's to grant. 
Stephen's courageous tears became a corrosive agent, devouring the chains that bound both men to the trauma of that event. This is the way of the cross, the path of salvation, the means of grace I'm talking about. So the question I want to leave us with this morning is, whose healing might you be holding in your hands today? Who might you be able to grant forgiveness to that in doing so would dissolve chains that have bound both of you for a while? Think about that. Because you may have an opportunity to make both of you feel like you're rising to your feet after years of paralysis. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that this morning we would receive the good news that Jesus has the authority to forgive sins and, and help us to recognize just how uh, freeing and, and encouraging that is, Lord, that, that recognizing that can truly set us free uh, from, from a sense of guilt and condemnation. Lord, if any of us just feel imprisoned uh, by, by guilt, uh, Lord, we pray uh, that we would take that guilt and let it drive us to your arms. We thank you that they are open to us. And Lord, help us also to imitate this incredible forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen.